This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Healthy boundaries are great, but unfortunately they don't set themselves. Boundaries take a lot of intention, time, and support. And that's where a therapist comes in to help you decide what's most important and build your life around it. Connect with a therapist and find your boundaries at betterhelp.com super. Hey brother. In today's world, it feels like we have all come to crave and love a good plot twist. There's almost nothing better than watching an entire story unfold only to find out that you'd secretly been being fed clues about the solution to who done it the entire time. Whoa. And don't get me wrong, sections of this entire channel are dedicated to figuring out exactly what these plot twists are gonna be. But at the same rate, getting blindsided in a completely satisfying way is possibly just the best feeling. Like, oh, I just love being manipulated. Wait. And the Harry Potter saga in particular is famous for all of its wild misdirects, and there's always at least one in every story. Or at least it felt that way the first time I was reading each book as they came out, like at midnight, although to be fair, I was a lot younger and perhaps my brain was a little more susceptible to being shocked. Once again, you put your keen and penetrating mind to the task and as usual, come to the wrong conclusion. But the crazy thing is that even though it happens in basically every book, I never went into the next book being like on the lookout for what the crazy twist would be. But in most cases, I just think that was the best. The plot unfolds and you're like, wait, what? The whole time? Him? No. <gasps> no. Me? <laughs> I mean, it's just good times. Anyway, today I thought it would be fun to count down the top seven plot twists in all of Harry Potter. Let's go. Okay, so sometimes the plot twist takes an entire book to develop. Sometimes it takes the entire seven book series to develop, and you can only really see it once it's been laid out for you in a nice, neat row. You've kept him alive so that he can die at the proper moment. Meanwhile, others are only a couple chapters long before you're like, well, now hold on a second. Like, I would be remiss if we didn't at least mention the moment where you discover the world-famous Quidditch player Victor Crumb is actually still a student, and he's going to be completing in the Triwizard Tournament. What? He likes Hermione. Ron's not happy! Cedric already asked Cho? Floor's going with R Roger, Roger, what's his name? Roger Dave, don't, don't care. Point is, I'd only known about Victor Crumb for like 20 pages before he showed up in the Great Hall, then I was still like, whoa! He's more than an athlete. He's an artist. Or there's another great one at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince where Dumbledore taps Harry to go help him recruit a brand new professor, Slughorn, to come teach us here. And you just assume along with Harry that it's the new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor because there's always a new one of those each year. And yet yours and Harry's expectations were turned against you because it turns out just a few chapters later that Slughorn will be teaching potions. And Snape is the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. Oh no. Which by the way, let me just say, get used to Snape on this list because that guy is a walking misdirect and he is very good at his job. In fact, that seems like a good place to start. Let's go ahead and jump in with number seven, Quirrell is stealing the stone. What? No, it had to be Snape. It just had to be. Drop my glasses. Small child me was 100% sure that when Harry walked through that fire, he was gonna discover Severus Snape stealing that stone. I even remember my dad pausing reading to us to say like, who do you think it's gonna be? Which when I think about it, maybe it was obvious to him at least that it at least wasn't gonna be Snape. But I'd be pretty surprised if he, even he knew it was gonna be Quirrell. But I love this reveal because when you go back and reread Philosopher's Stone, like there are a lot of clues you could figure out that it was Quirrell. When Harry goes to Diagon Alley, he does meet Quirrell that day at the Leaky Cauldron and later that day, Gringotts is robbed. Quirrell's the one who announces the troll in the dungeon. Go ahead and just play the clip. Troll in the dungeon! 
classic. But if you think about it, that means that he wasn't present at the feast for some reason ahead of time. Quirrell gets knocked over by Hermione when she lights Snape's robes on fire, which is actually what stops Harry's broom from bucking. Even Harry's scar hurting when he sees Snape the first night is because He's sitting next to Quirrell. It happened very suddenly. The hook-nosed teacher looked past Quirrell's turban straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. Ouch! Harry clapped a hand to his head. Actually, only semi-related, there's a part in the first book where Fred and George put which snowballs to like attack the back of Quirrell's turban, which they don't know it's Voldemort at the time, but when you reread it and know that, it's like, oh, what a fun inclusion. Like, you know he was just back there like, oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding me right now, Quirrell? But anyway, I always think you have to give this particular reveal a lot of credit because it really ties the whole first book together and it's the reveal that, you know, drew us all into the wizarding world. But moving from the end of the first book to the end of the last book, let's do number six, Harry is the master of the Elder Wand. Yes, I know, this is like the final reveal at the absolute climax of the final book and we're only putting it at number six? Yeah. That's right. I mean, don't get me wrong, it is a pretty epic moment, and I still remember gasping with joy the first time I read it as Harry is like spelling out the math for Voldemort. As a refresher, Voldemort spends the entire seventh book looking for the Elder Wand, only to eventually steal it from Dumbledore's grave and then use it to kill Snape in the name of becoming the master of it. Not to mention the book is just called The Deathly Hallows, and in the final moments after Harry's already mastered the other two, he reveals that he somehow was actually secretly master of the Elder Wand too? Like, what? What? This is a bad video for my glasses. And not only that, but it's this information that allows for Voldemort to land the final blow on himself without Harry ever actually having to kill somebody. Just a great self-own in the final moments for Voldemort's life, you know? My only issue with it, if you even want to call it that, is just the math itself. Like, if you're a longtime viewer of this channel, you may be aware that we've made a few videos trying to describe how the Elder Wand works and decides who its new master is. And let me just tell you that door is left wide open because Harry's explanation is I just I mean it's just that's kind of weak. According to Harry, he is the master of the Elder Wand because at the end of book six, Draco disarmed Dumbledore, which made Draco the master of the Elder Wand. And then a few weeks ago, Harry physically took, like snatched out of his hand without magic, a whole different wand, which then made Harry the master of every wand Draco was a master of, which is why he, Harry, in this moment, is the master of the Elder Wand. So even though Draco never helped the Elder Wand, and the wand itself wasn't present for any of this, and none of this even involved magic. That's the explanation we're going with. And you know what? It turns out, at least by Harry's logic, he's right. And I won't lie, in the moment when I first read it, I was still psyched, and you know what? The math does still end up working, and Voldemort dies, so... Yay. But I'm just saying, it would have been like way more excellent if Draco truly is the master of the Elder Wand. Like in the final battle, he just like throws Harry his wand and that's how Harry becomes the master. And Draco is redeemed in the exact same time and then Voldemort still dies. And I don't, I don't know, no one asked me. Anyway, number five, Snape is the Half-Blood Prince. What? I just want you guys to know that when Half-Blood Prince came out and I read it for the first time, 17-year-old me actually made that sound upon learning this information. What? 
And I know we so said we're not always trying to solve a huge mystery here, but the identity of the Half-Blood Prince is a pretty big one. Because throughout book six and most of the year, the prince kind of feels like just this deus ex machina character. This random dude who scribbled some notes in a book that Harry randomly gets, and now he's solving all of the problems all the time. Saves Ron's life with the Bezor, teaches Harry all sorts of useful spells. To Hermione's dismay, he helps Harry win the Felix Felicis, but ends up being this like giant victory in the war against Voldemort because it's what leads Harry and Dumbledore to the specific number seven Horcruxes. But the reveal is so fun because it makes you feel like maybe if they could just set aside all of their differences, Harry and Snape actually would have been like a really potent combination of wizards. Like Harry seems to truly resonate with this off-page entity and he's able to put all of his spells and knowledge to such tremendous use. Which is pretty surprising because Harry failed to learn occlumency from literally the same person just one year ago. Heck, Snape has been his potions professor for five years and Harry's not good at potions at all until he starts learning from... Snape. Like, do you see the irony? Snape is simultaneously Harry's worst professor and the one he learns the most from. Ridiculous. Maybe Lupin. Lupin's cool. Either way though, the reveal is just super fun and it always made me wonder like, what if Harry had learned the identity of the Half-Blood Prince sooner. Could he have come around on Snape? Could he have realized that he was actually an effective teacher? Could the knowledge that he trusted and believed in the prince so much helped him reconcile his feelings towards Snape? Maybe, but unfortunately the truth only actually comes out after number four, Snape killed Dumbledore? That rhymed. Avada Kedavra. <laughs> New hit single, number four, Snape killed Dumbledore. People are going to be like, what's the number four about? And be like, it's on a list. But I mean, wow, if this wasn't the ultimate Harry Potter spoiler, then I don't know what was. I mean, I remember a time when it was dangerous to check your AOL instant messenger away message for fear of discovering this knowledge. Of course, you had no way of knowing what you were about to click on, so. Hands down though, this is quite possibly the biggest shock of the entire series. Because Dumbledore has been swearing up and down for six books, insisting that Snape is a good guy. His trust is unshakable, even though Harry challenges him on it over and over and over. But to Dumbledore's credit, Snape has proven over and over that he wasn't a bad guy. I mean, he wasn't stealing the Philosopher's Stone. He sort of tried to teach Harry occlumency, and he actually does inform the order that Harry and friends are at the Ministry of Magic trying to steal from the Department of Mysteries. And yet, Harry still never trusts him. And in this moment, it looks like he has finally, finally proven right about Snape. But at what cost? And it's so powerful because not only does it leave Harry without somebody to ask advice of, or the good guys without their most powerful leader and wizard, but it also throws into question Dumbledore's judgment for the entire series. I lost. Earwax. Because he was so certain Snape was a bad guy, but if he was wrong about this, what else was he wrong about? Even the Horcrux him and Harry just recovered turns out to be a fake. Then the next book starts off by fanning this exact fire with Rita Skeeter releasing her own book, The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. All right, now it's time for this video to take a plot twist where we tell you about today's sponsor, Factor. Probably much of a twist. You definitely saw this coming. Actually, for real though, the actual plot twist in my life right now is that the day you're watching this was my oldest son Luke's first day of kindergarten 
ever. Needless to say, it has been kind of a bittersweet day. I'm like so excited for him, but also it's like a little boy's growing up and I feel like I'm getting a little too personal on the ad read now. Point is, it is back to school season, which means everyone's lives are about to get a little bit more busy. But not to worry, we have got a secret weapon for you. It is Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. They have chef prepared meals that are delivered straight to your door. Oh, and you've got school and homework and practice and a thousand other activities. If you're like me, you probably just don't have time to cook every single night. Factor is great because not only are you skipping trips to the grocery store, it's also the prepping, the chopping, the cleaning, the cooking itself. And yet you still get to eat delicious, nutritious meals. The meals are ready in just two minutes and it is shocking how much time it saves me and my wife every night. And if you're thinking, wait, I'm trying to be healthy. Well, no big deal because Factor has all sorts of dietitian approved meals, like their calorie smart or protein plus meals that are for people who are trying to be more conscious about what they eat. And it's not just dinner. You could do any meal of the day, like you can do breakfast with their apple cinnamon pancakes or their egg bites, even beverages. They have shakes and smoothies and juices. So get ready for the busy season. Enjoy eating well without the hassle. Head to factormeals.com super 50 and use promo code super 50 to get 50% off your first order. One more time, that is promo code super 50 at factormeals.com super 50 to get 50% off your order. Link is in the description down below. Not only was this reveal shocking, but it left you feeling like going into the final installment that nothing and no one was off limits. But you know what? It ended up being okay because of plot twist number three, Snape actually was a good guy and he's in love with Harry's mom. Always. Oh, this explains a lot. Man, the blows just keep coming with Snape, don't they? I guess while this one revolves around Snape, the implications are more for Harry. We finally, finally learn at long last why Dumbledore trusted Snape so much. And the explanation is pretty darn unexpected. Snape and Lily met as children long before either of them ever went to the Great Hall. And despite Snape's own prejudices and Lily's own heritage as a muggle-born, he's basically in love with her the entire time. Always. And it is this love that leads Snape from Voldemort's camp over to Dumbledore and why he is so reliably on Dumbledore's side the entire time. It's why he has gone to such great lengths to keep Harry safe, even though Harry is a constant reminder of James, his mortal enemy. Uh, we all have mortal enemies in high school, don't we? <laughs> I'll never forgive mine. You know who you are. But as we're learning that Snape was actually a good guy the whole time, we also learn another dark truth at the bottom of it. That despite how much we may all have loved and trusted Dumbledore, that at the end of the day, he always knew and planned for Harry to die. So when the time comes, the boy must die. It's like the plot twist within the plot twist, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's why Dumbledore trusted Snape this whole time. Oh my gosh. Wait, what was that last part? Harry has to die? What, 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 what? Like, is there a world where Snape cared more about Harry's well-being than Dumbledore did? Don't tell me now that you've grown to care for the boy. How frustrating for Harry too. Like, oh my God, thank, thank you for finally just telling me the secret. Huh? But moving on, that brings us to number two, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Just, just like all of it, the whole book. Prisoner always stands out to me as possibly the most unique book in the entire series. Namely because the primary threat in it isn't Voldemort this time, it's actually someone else. Sirius Black. Although to be fair, this isn't the first time we've heard the name Sirius Black. In the very first chapter of Philosopher's Stone, Hagrid says he borrowed the flying motorbike off of young Sirius Black. Did I go pirate again? 
Dang it. Hagrid is not a pirate. Probably worth noting that neither McGonagall or Dumbledore bats an eye when Hagrid says this, indicating that they certainly don't think of Sirius Black as a threat at that time. But what's so crazy about the Sirius Black plot twist is that it's not just a great twist for you, the reader, it's also like the ultimate plot twist in the entire wizarding world. It's like, what is responsible for the entire state of the wizarding world? Sirius convinced Lillian James to switch the secret keeper from him to Peter and nobody else knows about it. Plot twisted. The other unique thing about this book is that most of the time Harry is working on solving some mystery, but this book starts with the mystery apparently having already been solved. Like everyone knows what happened. The only mystery you think you're reading about all book is how they're going to catch Sirius Black, but you never question whether or not he needs to be caught. Just right away you're told he escaped and he's hunting Harry, and then everything that happens seems to confirm it. First he attacks the fat lady and doesn't get in, then eventually he does get in and makes it into Harry's dorm room, but apparently gets the wrong bed. You're rooting for the Dementors to catch Black. You think Crookshanks is just some crazy cat that's being really mean to scabbers. Then as if that's all not enough, Lupin? Oh yeah, he's a werewolf. And Hermione? Yeah, she could time travel. Throw that in there. It's all just so crazy. And then it's flipped on its head with the reveal that Sirius switched places with Peter. And it's really great because Sirius reveals this, but Harry has to choose to trust him based on nothing but his word. Show me. And for a story that just happens to Harry a lot of the time, this firmly puts him in the driver's seat for what happens for the future of the wizarding world, which is great because he is the hero after all, and it comes down to his gut. Is Sirius telling the truth or not? And Harry, as ever, makes the right call. But I am the chosen one. But despite all the craziness that happens in book three, I still think the number one plot twist in all of Harry Potter is that Moody is an imposter. I mean, seriously, the fact that Barty Crouch Jr. doesn't survive Goblet of Fire to go on and be a constant thorn in Harry's side is such a bummer to me because he is high and away the most effective Death Eater of them all. But the fact that Moody was not Moody, but instead a Death Eater in disguise the entire time just blew my mind. And the setup for it is what makes it so great. Because once more, the story uses your expectations against you. And not only that, but it does it in such marvelous fashion that it helps continue the world building while it does so. The trick is simple. It's Polyjuice Potion, something we've seen used before by Harry and his friends. But this time it's in the hands of the enemy and it's two years later and you've kind of forgotten about it. And for good reason, right? Because up until now, any like big plot point potion or spell has pretty much just been relegated to the book in which it came up in first. Like Polyjuice was great in Chamber of Secrets, but we don't need to worry about it anymore because that was a book too. Thing. Plus, if I recall, it was a pretty monumental task in just brewing it at all. Like, people don't just have Polyjuice Potion. But that's only true if you're a second year student at Hogwarts. If you're an adult, a capable, well-trained wizard in the wizarding world, yeah, you can have Polyjuice Potion 
Why not? For you, the reader, it was just a fun bathroom toilet brew for Harry, Ron, and Hermione. But if you're a real wizard, like, yeah, Polyjuice Potion is just out there. You don't care about that. Polyjuice Potion is just a real tool that exists in the wizarding world. And I think this reveal is great because it sort of represents us, the reader, graduating from only ever learning new things about the wizarding world and suddenly now needing to be aware of all the old things we learned as well. And it's possibly just the best executed reveal of them all, because while there are things you can notice about Moody, in the meantime, he seems like such an asset to Harry and Dumbledore and like definitely not the bad guy. I mean, Barty Crouch Jr. himself is barely mentioned in the story. And I think the one time he comes up, it's for Sirius to tell Harry that, yeah, he was in Azkaban with me and he died. I watched them bury his body. His dad's not a great guy. Otherwise, his name appears on the Marauder's map in Snape's office, and later you find out from Snape that someone stole some boomslang skin. You know what? I don't know how a boomslang hasn't come up in like Fantastic Beasts or something. And if you were like a really capable, detail-oriented reader back then, and this was like before the internet was super crazy with Harry Potter theories, Maybe you could have remembered that Boomslang skin was one of the ingredients in Polyjuice Potion and maybe someone wasn't who they appeared to be. But even if you got that far, I doubt you thought it was Moody because in the meantime, he's helping Harry get through the tasks. He hates Death Eaters. He's impressing the students. He's teaching them about the unforgivable curses. And he's able to come across as so authentic because he genuinely believes all of those things. Like he does hate the other Death Eaters and he does want Harry to succeed because he wants him to get to Voldemort and he's teaching them about the curses because he wants to put the kids under the curses because he's a bad guy and he likes doing stuff like that. Truly an epic reveal. Even the first time I read it, it didn't even occur to me that like Moody was going to be a whole separate person. I was just like, oh, Moody himself, the actual Moody's just a bad guy. Wow. Oh no, it's he's a different person. Whoa. But there you go, guys. Those are our top seven plot twists in all of Harry Potter. If we left any of your favorites off the list, let me know in the towel section down below. Otherwise, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't already, and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see our top five most believable Harry Potter theories, you can check out this video right here. But Ben, otherwise, until next time, I will see you in another life, brother.